Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's happening everybody welcome to another episode of courtside fracas and there is no better place to start than happy new year it is 2021 first recording of the new year we are outside of 2020 hopefully <laughs> that's a madness that people are, are leaving behind a tough year for a lot of people for a lot of reasons um, namely that the lakers won that was tough for me yeah easier for some but uh, hopefully hopefully we can we can do better as a basketball community than allowing that to happen in 2021. This week, I'm joined by Shaq. What's going on, bro? Um, I'm good, good. How are you? All good, all good. Canyon, yeah. you, you had a good year out of everybody. No, your boy is back after a brief hiatus, but I'm just here to spread chaos and happiness. <laughs> hand in hand, there you go. Hand in hand. Uh, Sai, what's going on, mate? I'm good, bro, man. Sleep deprived as per usual. Uh, but here for the shits and giggles, bro. NBA life is catching up with us. Uh, I was late for the recording for for this reason. Um, and then, yeah, you're balancing fatherhood with that. So, so the whole next thing. And you know what, Sai? I think this is this is somewhere we're gonna start early because last time we spoke, the Nets were looking indestructible, and we've just started seeing um, whether it be a Terry Rozier poster or 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 an Atlanta win. We just started to see the chinks in those armor. So. So we'll get into that in a second, but just just a bit of bit of housekeeping early on. Like we said, New Year, same podcast. Want to bring so much more into it. So if you're listening, and if you're one of our regular listeners, we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, the engagement on the Twitter has been up, up, up through the roof. Let us know what you want to hear from us this year. What you want us to cover. What you want to us to feature. We love making this content for you lot. The listenership is going up every single week. And yeah, we appreciate every single one of you. And the ones that are most active on the Twitter, we see you as well um, and love for that. We love the little community that is brewing on there. It's fantastic. Look, straight into it. Um, it's been a bizarre season. Start, really. Um, I feel like every single night of basketball, there is a result where you think, really? Okay, cool. Has that happened? Um, if we're just going to run through the teams and their records, I don't think anyone would have really been confident if you'd asked them who had the best records after six games, five in some cases, or hearing six is okay, but then hearing Magic, Cleveland, who are four and two, Atlanta, four and two, Indiana, four and two, Clippers, Lakers, okay, Pelicans, four and two, um, Jazz and Trailblazers, okay, 60%, but a 500 team in uh, Sacramento Kings. So a weird season. Some of the games still, for me, have a very preseason vibe to them. Um, Every now and then, there'll just be a blowout. The aforementioned Charlotte win over the Nets. Celtics looking very sloppy against Detroit. Yeah, it's a strange one. Is this something that we're just going to see run through now for the entire season? Or are we expecting that to normalise? And if it does, when? It's going to normalise. 
give it 20-odd games because I think as well, like I was saying just before, like all the teams that kind of went far in the playoffs had a decent set. They're either middling or they're just doing horrible. Like you've got the Lakers, they're not looked special, but they're kind of just middling and just getting over the hump because LeBron and AD. You've got Miami not looking their best and we know that because Jimmy was on his knees with them boys on his back and obviously Hero, they had a 72-day holiday. Who else? you got the Nuggets. <laughs> Nuggets, Nuggets have probably started well. They have, I think they have, if not the worst record. Uh, no, the Wizards saving the blushes there, but um, yeah, so and destroyed their first win. Like, come on, man! Like, it's all the teams that went far in the playoffs are probably going to feel the impact of this early season the most, and then they'll kind of middle out towards the, the middle of the season when teams have a tiny bit more rest and they kind of get into their reps a bit more because they ain't really had pre seasons either. And do you think? Do you think that's where we should maybe take? teams like Orlando and Atlanta a little bit less seriously than their early form suggesting, considering um, that they've had that rest and people like um, Trey and John Collins would have been able to work on their game for the entire time. Now, obviously, there's a talent Atlanta, someone that we're looking at as a playoff team in the East. But like you said, it's not a coincidence, the fact that Miami and Boston have looked very, very sluggish um, as conference finalists. Denver as another conference finalist. The only real conference finalists who are, I think, with a Plus record, plus five hundred. Are the Lakers, like you said, it's just ain't even look to But with 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 Atlanta, I think it's two sides of the same coin. Like teams will catch up and obviously start getting better, but then Atlanta would probably have got that confidence and that nice run of games with actually playing nice basketball, trying out some things early, and then halfway into the season they could be better, or you know they could just jump off a cliff because they can't really play defense either. So goes both ways. Yeah, I think that that Atlanta situation is going to be one to watch for the whole season. Um, their energy is just unfathom- unfathomable at the minute and they're definitely taking advantage of the fact that a few teams are a bit slower um, and they've got the element of youth on their side with Trey Young and John Collins just basically running ram- rampant for full games. So um, that situation I don't think will change too much. They seem like they're primed for the regular season. It's just going to be a case of where they finish within those playoff spots because I think they're showing enough to suggest that they'll be able to sustain their level of offence. The game of the week almost, there's so many games to keep up with, but the game of the week that I think captured a lot of the imagination was Atlanta going toe-to-toe with Brooklyn. Atlanta were, I think it was Shaq that I, I called out a little bit for it where it was like I told you I told you lot about Atlanta Atlanta had an amazing offseason I think that was a consensus everybody saw the acquisitions uh, the wing depth of Bogdanovich and Gallinari massive signings they already had good youth Hunter Herter Reddish Collins Trey to add to Collins and Trey as the obvious ones Trey has hit a very mature level of efficiency now he's not sort of uh, bombing from everybody, everywhere with the long shots. He's he's found his little hardened fouls that people might get annoyed with soon. But so Atlanta, everybody knew was gonna was gonna do well. Um, their their two games against Brooklyn were were fantastic to watch. Second one with an actual win in Brooklyn, um, 114 to 96. First one went toe to toe to the very very end. It was a loss, but it was 145 141 to Brooklyn. Um, which I guess was typified both teams a little bit. And I want to I zoom in on both teams just a tad. We're going to get to Brooklyn in a minute. 
Atlanta, in terms of the league, eighth in three-point attempts, but third in three-point makes. So great shooters all round. Second in free throw attempts. We can thank young Trey for that. Yeah, there's not. Listen, don't foul him. Second in rebound rebounds. On the flip side, twenty <laughs> fifth in opponent three point attempts. Twenty uh, third in opponent free throws, and then twenty seventh in turnovers. So that's kind of the worry that I maybe had with Atlanta early on. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to blow teams away, but defensively not going to look perfect. What have your impressions been on Atlanta so far? Is the offense enough? What have been your main takeaways just watching them? Um, and is it sustainable? That's the main thing. No. This run-and-gun style is like primed for regular season basketball, especially in a shortened season where... Obviously, as, as we've already mentioned, a lot of the contending teams, they're coming off the back of a, a really sluggish and like hardly fought bubble experience. So they'll be able to exploit that. And their activity on, on offense and what we saw against Brooklyn was their, their effectiveness rebounding the ball is going to be to their advantage. So they'll get multiple possessions uh, over the course of the game and you're just going to have to stop them. On the defensive end, they're not they're not as terrible on defense as I'd say the stats suggest. They get stops when they need to, but as as Canyon said, it's probably not sustainable long term because you're going to need to lock in at some point to be defensively astute. So that that aspect is going to be one that we're all going to keep a microscope on. But at the same time, Canyon, you said it's not sustainable. If we go with the position that everybody's starting off. Uh, not perfect for the lack of preseason yeah. and training camp or whatever. Is there, are they just not going to get better in line with everybody else too? Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a weird one. So going on to the defence, like three of the starting five can't defend. So John, I mean, Collins is not a great defender, but he's got the tools. So you would think that he would mature at some point. And obviously Capella, he can. But then you've got Bogdanovich, um, Herter and Young, if Reddish isn't starting. And Reddish, you say he's got the potential, but if not, it's them three. So half, like three, three-fifths cannot defend. So there's that. And then even with the bench, Gallinari's in charge Gallinari with a lot of injuries. This is it. R- Rondo hasn't played defence in about four years. Listen, he's not there for the... He's, he's not the there for the team. He's the playoffs. So, playoffs. playoffs. Exactly. And if anything as well, yeah, like, we've seen what this kind of leads to. Like, the um, everyone ridicules Chuck on TNT when he said teams can't win championships shooting three-pointers and then Golden State proved them wrong, which proved them wrong. But then since then, he has been right. Like, it's just, that's one example. And it's the same team winning. You're not proven wrong. It's just cool. That's the one example. But other than that, it has not been the case where if you shoot like that, that shooting like that is just not sustainable. We see it now with Golden State with less players. They keep trying to shoot the same shit and it's not working. You've seen it now with Houston when they missed 27 in a row. They're a fantastic three-point making team. But these things happen. Like, you need to like diversify your offense at some point, especially well, if it's that high, that really that kind of fast-paced, volatile stuff, like that showtime run and gun. Like when it comes down to it in the playoffs, when your possessions are cut in half and you're in the half court and then you're saying they can score whenever they want. But when it comes to the playoffs, all of a sudden you've missed, is five minutes left in the game and you've gone three possessions down the floor and you ain't scored. They're going to get desperate. 
and there's no one that can pull something out. So for me, it's a tricky. Even though they've got the players, don't get me wrong, I think it's definitely going to be a year of maturing for them because they're doing great. Good young coach, obviously, now because he's in his third year with them now and they're doing a lot better because they've got the tools to do so. But in the grand scheme, I think this year will be both good and bad for them because they'll exceed expectations. But I think they'll also disappoint some people just based on the fact that they probably rated them too highly. Shaq, I'm going to come to you in a second. Just the best thing about, about them is that first Brooklyn game where you knew they were going to concede a point, two points, three points every time the ball came the other way. It was ridiculous. Like, it was stupid. And it felt, again, that was very pre-season-esque, but I didn't care because it was a good watch. I, I saw someone compare it to an all-star game in terms of how, how neither team wanted yeah. to do anything on the defensive end. That I thought that was brilliant. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, it, that's it essentially. And it's just how many teams they can blow out. And once teams do start locking in defensively, yeah, then, then we, we're going to see what they're really about. Um, Shaq, I don't know if, if this is what you were going to say. If it's not, then, then redirect me somewhere else. But as a Trey stockholder, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why this is actually the real deal. This is the real thing. This is going to be legit playoff. And you know what? What's expected of them? Probably only a competitive first round anyway. So yeah. what's this going to end up like? See, I see it being sustainable. Um, they'll get like a fifth seed, sixth seed. Maybe maybe even higher, if anything. Play some higher play some like the Celtics or like the Raptors <laughs> would win. <laughs> well, but you, you know what? Uh, you're not wrong, fam. Because the Celtics... We're going to get into the Celtics. I've got big worries about the Raptors. I've got big worries about the Celtics. Okay, Nets are in the conversation now. But looking at how KD and Kyrie have played, not played, you know, Kyrie's going to have a little injury. They're, I still think they're the favourites. They're not the certs to finish one seed, two seed that I may be expected. Um, Indiana have looked really good and really solid. And like I said on the preview, Indiana are going to do what Indiana do. That they're going to finish fourth, make the playoffs, be out in the first round, but they're going to finish fourth. The team that threatens this team the most is the 76ers because of size. Like yeah. Simmons and Embiid, if they're both healthy, it's peak. But the reason why I see it as sustainable is because looking at like the stats that you ruled off, like 27 points conceded and stuff like that, um, well, opponent points and stuff like that, sorry. The team that they've played against, so you got Pistons, okay, the Pistons was a bad game from them, really, truly defensively, they still won by like 20. Then you've got the Chicago Bulls. By the third quarter, the bombs were out. They weren't playing. Then you've got the, the Nets with two of the best scorers in the league also on fire. And then you've got a, a good bench unit in um, Karis Levert not playing against them too. Then you've got... Then they lost to Sexland and it was a bad game. Like, cool. So three, or, so, three or four of them teams stink. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, you said... <laughs> and you, sorry, you, you, and you sorry, said, well, that was a bad game. That, well, that one wasn't just a bad game. You know, and sorry, Memphis well well. in that game. And, Mem and Memphis as well. When and Memphis have Jar, who was also playing lights out. Officially, their strength of schedule is twenty second in the league, so that is something to look at. Yeah, they, they played against some good scores and teams that were going. But as you said, when everyone locks in, we'll see. But who's to say that they don't lock in? True, and I've okay. a lot of time for Trey Young as well. Like, like you right. said, I, I think they're the real deal this season. They're gonna do some dirt better than what they did last season. Mm. So I, I'm looking forward to it. They've got to keep hitting their shots, and again. Gallo's not really been here too much. Nah. You've got to see how the rotation goes. So I'm looking forward to I'm a, I'm a faith in the young boys. I've got, to have, I've got to be steadfast in my agendas, man. A little bit of adversity can't knock me off my path or the people won't start listening anymore. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, st I'm sticking to this. Like, even though I've got... Save the club when they like, come to seed. I can't do it. Like, you said fifth seed. 
Like, I know the East isn't what it was maybe last year, and obviously teams are doing a bit better, but... I think the East is more competitive than last year, but I just think a lot of the bigger teams have started slow. Yeah. Where, where regular season seeding is going to look weirder. I think the playoffs will be really competitive, but I think the regular season will look a bit strange. That's, that's a fantastic... If they finish fifth in the East, that's a fantastic season for them, in my opinion, where I think six to eight is where they should be aiming for. Nah, I'm going fifth. I'm going fifth. Okay, don't let them finish sixth because... I'll charge up this agenda. Right. <laughs> <laughs> heading over, heading over to Brooklyn then. Um, some, some losses that Sai has tried to explain away. He's already come down off the pedestal a little bit. Lost to Charlotte. Lost to Atlanta. Any others you want to tell us about? Lost to Memphis? That was, yeah, a, it's not, that was a part of the game, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%. But I think came out at such a rapid pace with the two opening wins. And then it's just sort of slowed a little bit. Again, like looking at sort of where they rank in terms of the league statistically, they're actually higher, as I said on the last week's pod, they're higher on a lot of sort of what you'd call defensive stats than they are offensive ones. I'm actually quite surprised. A lot of their sort of shooting percentages have just dropped because KD and Kyrie have had a few off nights. Mainly just Kyrie. Just Kyrie. Um... Obviously, the game, the game where they both sat, obviously, you, you take that as early season load management. Um, I think for me, the only stat that really stands out is the fact that we're bottom in terms of opponent offensive boards, um, which, again, just basically tells you all you need to know is we're giving up way too many extra possessions, and that's, that's what's costing us these, these games. Against um, Atlanta, in both games, I... I basically sat there for the whole game and was like, why is nobody coming to help Jarrett? Why is no one coming to help DeAndre? And basically, they just feasted on us for the whole game. But hold on, but this is a, it's a, you've got a great point there. And I'd also like to point out that you're lasting shots allowed as well. So if, if teams get hot, then you're in trouble. But you say who's going to help Allen and who's going to help DeAndre. Who, who, who can? Who no can? Do you know what I mean? KD it, seven foot. No, run it. KD seven foot. KD yeah. ain't trying to jump right now. KD's still feeling his way yeah, into this. And to be honest, to be honest, have you have you seen? I don't know. Have you seen some of his landings? Yeah, yeah, they've been iffy. To yeah. to be oh fair, oh my god, they are terrifying me. Every time this guy hits the floor, I see the the, the ankle wobble, and I think, jeez, he's he's trying not to land on the right hand, the right hand side. <laughs> so a lot of the time, he just fall into the floor to protect himself. I mean, I'm fully confident, yeah. And you can see it. Like, I don't want to be that guy. But obviously, KD's been playing fantastic. But we've all seen, let's frame it down to that early season rust and he's not played for 18 months. He's a little bit slower. But he's still that much better than everybody else. That's fine. But and he shoots when he wants and he's... Which is the thing. I think, look, that's what yeah. we said. Even if he is at 80%, he's, he's still, still seven foot with the best shooting in the league. Right. Listen, when he as well, so... Up, you, you'll be behind. And yeah, they, well, this is the other thing with KD. It's a year and a half out and he came back at 32, 33. So it's not even just the injury. It's natural ravages of time. But just some of the landings I've seen, I've just been a bit like, all right, maybe you just don't jump as much, mate, because I'm terrified of him hurting himself again. You know what I find funny about what Ty said, though, like in terms of like offensive rebounds. So in the game against Atlanta, where it went 145 to 141, you gave up 17 offensive boards and you was out-rebounded by like 14 by, by Atlanta. And yeah. you won that game. But then in the second game, you only lost by like three rebounds and you gave up 10 offensive boards. 
but you also had 10 offensive boards. Like the rebound, well, it was the true. first game, the second game, the first game, though, the first game, the bench went off. Our bench went absolutely fucking oh, deep shit. So it mitigated against the fact that Kyrie and KD to start the game were absolutely dreadful. KD, KD was shooting below 40% at one point, which is unheard of. Kyrie, Kyrie didn't get going until the fourth, and then they just basically blew the game out by themselves. They combined for like over 30 points. Um, so on then, that though, side, if they haven't had two of the best fourth quarters in the league all year, arguably you get smashed. Yeah. So same. who? So again, I know you were big on Levert. I don't think he's quite stepped up when they're not on the floor in the way that I thought he would have. Um, and then obviously Joe Harris is very good at what he does, but he's very dependent on who's around him. Dinwiddie being out now with an ACL is not good considering that they need someone else to maybe handle the ball and make things happen at times. Sham. Who's that? We've got Shamit. Shamit hasn't looked great. You know what it is, yeah? I, I think he's got a lot of expectation because he said when he left LA that he wanted to play point guard a bit more. Enough of this like spot-up shooter stuff he was doing. So I think it just kind of just takes time to gel into what this team is looking for exactly. Another one, though, Sai, as well. I want to get your thought on this. Cause I know when the, when the coaching thing was fully announced, you were just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then I was a bit like, hey, it's basically a D'Antoni. Yeah. No one would have said nothing, right? I get that it's early season and you want to keep an even keel, but like <laughs> Steve Nash, after these games where you've been defensively awful, has just been like, oh, what a game, eh? It's like, nah, man, you're my coach. I want to hear a bit more <laughs> yeah, seriousness. You're not like Ollie, like, oh, the boys really yeah. tried, eh? You're not, you're I can't, not, I can't you're lie, not, man. I'm not loving I've, life I've anymore, seen. bro. What, what are we going to do to fix it? I've like proper stayed away from like really trying to listen to him because he's there for vibes, man. Like, it's, it's clear to me that this is a Dan Tony system. And anyone that's listened to, to, to me speak about the Rockets knows how I feel about Dan Tony systems. I mean, we, we're fortunate in the fact that both Kyrie and KD have shown that they can play without the ball in their hands. And despite Kyrie shooting up a bunch of bricks in the last two games, he's still put in effort in other areas that sort of pad out the fact that his performances on the offensive end have, haven't been as good as we expect. Um, but yeah, from a coaching perspective, I'm just looking for Steve Nash to figure out a rotation and to figure out how to get this second unit playing actual team basketball again. Because Levert's usage rates are, are very, very similar to Kyrie and KD. And we can't really afford to have that with only one bench scorer available to us now. And, and, and the people he's out there with, he needs to just be a better scorer. I think he's, he's looking okay and he's trying to facilitate and blah, 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 blah. He's just not taking games over when they're not on the floor like, like you need him to. I think, um, I think his, his game is predicated on getting other guys involved, though. I think him combining with guys like Jeff Green is going to be what we look towards um, in order for us to actually progress with that second unit. At the minute, he's playing a lot more iso ball than I expected to see. He's not running as many pick and rolls. Um, all the good things that he was doing in the bubble seem to be sort of shift to the side at the minute, which for me is worrying. It's not going to change, bro. Like last year, there was no KD and Kyrie, so it's kind of like doing things within the system with the offense to benefit of the team. And now his role is like, I know they've sat down with the office, like, listen, Karis, we're going to need you to get yours. When the boys are on the floor, you take charge. And he's yeah. probably interpreted that as, listen, I'm just shooting. Not okay to run him up the and stuff. 
It's he's actually scary. He's got a green light in Harden. Bro, he's just shooting. And the thing is, it's peak, because I understand why, because they've told him, you, you can probably tell that they've told him to, but what they probably said when you, oh, you've got the green light is this, you need to be the leader on the floor when they're not there. But that doesn't mean like jack up 14 shots when they're not there. That kind of means like you need to get yours within the flow of helping everybody like settle along. It's, it's, a, weird, it's a weird dynamic, but... That's, that's, a, that's a coaching flaw of Dan Tony that we've seen, we've seen in the past, man. Like he's very guard-centric and he's very ISO-centric. So whoever's, whoever's putting out those offensive instructions is, is basically doing it to the detriment of the team. And it's funny because he has Nash and obviously he ain't got Stoudemire and Nash like he had in Phoenix. But at the same time, he's got, okay, he's got Kyrie and KD. They're not going to be running pick and roll, be a pick and pop kind of thing. But his role guys aren't as dominant as a as, uh, stat was. You've got Allen, who Yas isn't really a big fan of. And then no, you know, no, I like Jared Allen. I just think, um, oh. just to interject, I just think he's a bit soft. And I, I didn't mind it for the first two years, maybe third year. But I'm just thinking, all right, like, bigger centres are still yamming on your head. It's like, come on, bro. But I really like Allen. I think Allen's really good. But yeah, just, I yeah. wanted him, I wanted to be a bit harder. What made D'Antoni tick before, obviously, the Houston times? I'm not sure some of our listeners will know this when he was at, obviously, Phoenix and he had their seven-second offense and it was the pick and roll with Nash and Sotomayor. That stuff was pioneering. It got them far. Well, not that far, but it got Nash two MVPs and people were looking at stats as, as the next coming of the most dominant power forward out there. So, for me, it's a weird one because he's not got that anymore. But what he does have is an array of weapons, but I don't think they're being utilised maybe as best as they could, as Sai said, because you can clearly see the shortcomings that is with this offence. But at the same time, you will be bailed out nine times out of ten because you've got a Kyrie and KD. So One, one, one plus side that I will mention uh, in terms of the way that the team is is starting to shape up is having uh, Luau Cabarro in the starting lineup actually makes us a bit more balanced on, within that starting lineup. I think that Dinwiddie situation was getting a bit hard to watch, to be perfectly honest. He's finishing the game with like four, four to six points, uh, five rebounds, four assists. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, he's being a little bit wasted. I probably would have dropped him to the bench or looked to shift him for somebody a bit more defensively uh, inclined. Um, we were talking about that trade about two days before he went uh, down. This is why I don't want to see Harden there. Because this is Dinwiddie, who was putting at what, 20 last year, I think 21. Yeah. And even though he's ball dominant as a guard, and it was working for him last year because obviously the guys were missing and he was supporting Kyrie for a bit. You take him out and you put someone even more ball dominant in, like a Harden. And obviously, you don't turn down a James Harden because we know what he offers. But at the same time, like, you'll have problems with this offense now as it is. And obviously, we've seen you bailed out by your Kyrie, KD, and Kyrie. And as amazing as they are, and obviously, just like that will help you. 99% of the way through the season. Can I just add to that? Go on, go on, go on, finish. Yeah, if you add a hard into that, like I don't see, obviously they're amazing players and amazing players find a way to play together, but it will be so ISO heavy and I just don't think it offers much other than like individual brilliance and then just some support guys who make sure they, the main guys get theirs and I think it would be way too disjointed and you just, you should say no. But so I think it's disgusting. It's kind of ISO heavy anyway. So adding Harden could be a quality factor. So it depends on who you give away. But I still don't think it's a trade that should happen. Neither. But I just want to put out there that all these questions we're having about the Nets and like worrying about them coming from two games against Atlanta Hawks. 
Stand up, like. Well, to be honest, I, I, was, I was more concerned. I was more concerned about the Charlotte and Memphis games, to be honest. No, but I think I think this. I think look, we're not making uh, any big conclusions, but I think look, everyone saw the Nets come out and just be in, invincible. It looked like the two games, and. It's just interesting now where where those little where those uh, the chinks in that armor is. Look, um, Nets still very much favourites, but I think that's a good challenge just where they need to be. I think we've given people something to look out for now as we move forward. Um, kind of links in, I guess, into the main meat of this this pod, where I want to talk about, in the spirit of the time of the year, some New Year's resolutions that we have set for players, coaches executives, teams, hands are being rubbed. I know I know why hands are being rubbed, because hashtag curry watch is about to come into effect from Canyon. Um, and yeah, so look, I, so I guess for Brooklyn, it might be, hey, Karis, there's other people on the court, and lads, maybe we should rebound a bit more. Um, look, so I'm going to get us started with a New Year's resolution, right? We'll, we'll probably just, we'll, we'll go round, Jump in. I want to hear thoughts. I want to hear why these are wrong. Number one for my resolutions. The Toronto Raptors, I want them to blow it up. 2021, I wanted to blow it up. And I know that sounds extreme, right? Because they're still competitive. I'm not having them at all, right? Uh, and it's not just the record. I'm looking at their roster. Siakam has started the season poorly. Uh, last night against New Orleans, he had 10, they were getting battered. He had 10 points. He fouled out in the fourth quarter, 8.30 left. That, at that 8.30 minutes left is when they started putting some good basketball together and ran the game close. He's one of the most inefficient people in the league at the moment. You could look at a box score and be like, hey, 18 points a game. He's warming, he's warming. The playoffs showed his limitations. Um, he is effectively their number one guy at the moment. And I don't think they're going anywhere with that at all. Van Vliet is having to become their number one guy. And on the, on the same token, if Van Vliet is your number one guy, enjoy the playing every year. <laughs> enjoy the playing every year, right? Not only that, not only that, right? Because then it could just be, hey, trade Siakam. But I think they should. I think they should be... They should do everything they can to get James Harden. That is the resolution, if I'm speaking more with my chest. They're, because their roster is not doing anything anyway. Take the gamble like with Kawhi. Um, throw whatever you can in to get Harden. I actually think Siakam wouldn't be bad in Houston because you've got John Wall, Christian Wood, <laughs> Eric Gordon, if he ever gets back to two, three years ago. He wouldn't have to have all of this load. Um, I think he'd be quite an interesting piece, and they just Houston would automatically become such a physical team that are so tough to play physically. I think that would work more for Houston than they realise. But Toronto are locked in with Siakam for years on upwards of 33 million. They've also got a 34-year-old Kyle Lowry expiring. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's it's not look Kyle Lowry. I love Kyle Lowry, but he's 34. He's on 30 mil a year. If he's going to renegotiate something really team-friendly next year, cool. That's, that's fine, all right? Maybe, yeah. But I don't think he is. He's going to want another deal, and someone will give him another deal. He won't. So you've got $63 million to play with there in terms of, in terms of uh, cap space. 
for good trades because you can talk a lot of teams into a Carl Lowry, a lot of teams into a Pascal Siakam. But at the same time, over the next three years, I don't think either player is really doing anything for you. Sure. You've got OG Ananobi, who's just teething pains getting into a new offensive role. He's, he's not gone great yet. Um, you've got some decent depth pieces in terms of Van Vliet, Norman Powell, who are okay. They've got the core of something there. Nick Nurse has shown himself to be a brilliant coach. But look, Toronto need to, they need to do what they did with Kawhi. They need to be creative every time they want to compete. People aren't moving to Canada in free agency. Um, you've got 63 million, which I think is more valuable on a trade table than it is on the court over the next two, three years. Masai, Mr. Masai Ujiri, let's, let's, let's blow it up. Let's get creative. Yeah. Hold well, on. Apparently, you couldn't trade DeMar DeRozan. He was more beloved by Toronto than Lowry. No. Yeah, and because he traded DeMar, you can't trade um, Kyle. Like, it's well, I, I say the flip side. You've traded DeMar, so anything goes. Oh, fair enough. Is this the same Kyle Lowry where on Clubhouse people are saying he's better than Trey Young? Mm. I wasn't saying that. Some people. Uh, I, I, yeah, it was a discussion. Kyle. It was a discussion. <laughs> and if, 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 you gave me, if you gave me a playoff game tomorrow and it was, a, it was a one-off win, I'll yeah, it would be an interesting pick. Okay. But one of them's 34, and one of them's 21, too. I hate 20. being right, you know. Right. <laughs> I'm so used to it now. It's just... I hate being right. But now I'm all for it. Like, they ain't really got much going on for them. Like, another year of relying on Larry as a number one. As much as I slandered him, like, he was good for them. And past Spicy P, like I said, so bad, so spicy, make your eyes hurt. He's just horrible to watch at this point. He's yeah. like a Yanis without the HDH and a bit shorter so he's not going to he's just very very limited and they were expecting him to take the jump especially for the money he's on now fair play to him but i don't think he's going to make it make that no. jump especially as a number one option because he's so limited in his game um and that's the thing with guys like this when they start off as basically supreme athletes with this real high upside of what they could be like but this is, he came into the league old as well. And I think maybe that trip to... Oh, he was very raw prospect, came into the game a bit late. Remember, but he came in old, physically very developed. I think, and, he, and he came into a team where he really hit the radar when he had prime Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet emerging, and Kawhi. That's a different story altogether. Yeah. But now, if this guy is your main go-to guy, you, you ain't competitive. You're not competitive. Also, their style of play just doesn't suit him... They, they're number one in the league for three points attempted, 22nd for actually converted. So, so, and then if you've already got people like uh, Ananobi and Chris Boucher, who I actually really like Chris Boucher, as sort of athletic, long, two-way guys, I think you've got enough potential there that you, on, on much more manageable money. You can offset losing Siakam. Like, and I'm not trying to shit on a guy just because he started poor. I've never been a huge... I thought he was... I thought he was a... Lucky to get second team All NBA last year. Very lucky. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not having it. And and they've just they've got weaker. Losing Ibaka has been big. Losing Gasol regular season has been big. I like Aaron Baines, but he's not either of them. Um, yeah, man, that's my New Year's resolution. Masai Ujiri, blow it up. Blow I it get up. you're talking about like a system that worked for a time being, but it had a extra piece in Kawhi winning that chip for them. And it, it kind of reminds me of my resolution where, and it's like a, obviously you can see, but 
Miami Heat were missing a lot. And that's my resolution for 2021, where I have to realise we need to add a lot more to our team before we start winning. Before just, we start because, just because two people have celebrated being right already, we've already skipped to a new resolution. Is that, like, we, we agree I'm a genius, Messiah needs to blow it up? No, yeah, no, no contention. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, they they need to blow that shit up. Say no more. Run through Shaq. Say no more. Put the big bang on that bitch. Yeah, but the man. thing is, it looks it looks it looks like Warren, what they're gonna they're competitive. Da, 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 da. Eastern Conference semi-final seven games last year. Uh, listen, get ahead of the cart. Get get ahead of the horse. Start now. Right now yeah. they have a lot of space to play with. Could get creative. Yeah, do it now. Go on with the heat, Shaq. It's not it, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I say like this, yeah. My thing is this. So last year was everyone was sleeping on us, and I don't know why. Like we us, and we added a piece in Jimmy buckets, but you slept on us, and we surprised. And Iggy and Crowder. Yeah, yeah, we added them as well, but we added Jimmy buckets. So you, you slept on us. And it's like we had these these young players come in, Harold Robertson. Then you had, I think, but I think look, but then that's why they slept on you. Yeah, uh, I I didn't. I love the Heat last year. Gone ad nauseum about it. But Jimmy Buckets came in with a, eh, you know, he hasn't really stayed anywhere. Is he going there to retire? No one quite knew what Tyler Harrow would grow to be. They knew he's a good shooter and a good player at Kentucky, but what he grew to be in the playoffs was outstanding. No one knew what Robinson was going to be. Uh, the the <laughs> Crowder and Iggy additions were late. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think people slept on you because of, of all of that. And I think, but then, like I've said, I think it might have just been lightning in a bottle. It was perfect for a year. Are you going to tell me I was right, Shaquille? Are you going to tell me I was I'm right? I'm you you was right because, no, but... Good reasoning, good reasoning. The sense of, as I said, like, I would love to add a Bradley Beal and like, like one little piece. We added Harkless and if I start talking about this guy again... It's but he, he's not who you should rely on. Yeah, it? and he should um, play in basketball as a sport in the NBA. But for me, it's like... All right, <laughs> Stephen A. All right, Stephen so A. Away, we're so far away from having that final... We, we need two more pieces to make us that team because we're playing a system and you can't keep playing the system because people start figuring out systems. Like, it worked in the playoffs because no one saw it happening. Zone defence, this, this, bam, cutting. Okay, cool. But now they're saying, oh, yeah, they do this. And we keep trying to do it. But nah, like we need to. Players aren't good enough. Add a, good add, a little, yeah. add a little two piece. Give me a brand. Hold on. So is your res- what, what? Let's let's make this a concrete resolution because this is the thing, mate. New Year's resolutions. Yeah, we've all said that one about the gym, about the diet, about the 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 learning. They're not they're not stuck to unless they're concrete, my friend. So. What my is it? Are you making a Beal trade? Is that what you need to do? Are you waiting for free agency for Beal or have you got your eyes on other people? What, what, what is the resolution I'm, for 2021? I'm waiting for Beal trade, but my resolution is that I won't hype the Miami Heat to be something that I don't think they are. And that's what I usually do. All right. So if they start doing well, I'm not having you come on this podcast uh, shouting. We've got the data now. We've seen it. Nope. It's in black and white. We, we might make an impact in the playoffs, but this season, I don't see us going to the finals or anything. Nope. Okay, cool. All right. I'm, I might need to listen back to a pod from two or three weeks ago because I, I believe, I believe we had this argument already, did, but I'm glad... It's the heartless bounce ball. I'm glad, I'm glad you've seen the light <laughs> you there. Did, you, um, did say, you did say that Crowder wasn't going to be as big of a miss. 
because of oh, half. Okay. So yeah, you gotta reel that one back in, man. <laughs> I think I think you're even. Worse. Do you know what is amazing? I, I I remember saying, look, can Heartless maybe crowd was a bit of a miss, but is he gonna offset? I remember Shaq was like, yeah, he's he's as tall. It's just the height we lose. <laughs> I, I vividly remember I that. Height. I did say just I height. I vividly remember that. Uh, not just height. We miss, we miss a bit of energy in that, but like I thought pressure. Oh. Was- all right, all right. Well, like, you know, but, uh, take it out. All right, all right. Sai, Sai, you got any resolutions for us? I do, I do. One of my, one of my big ones for this season is I want to see Dejounte Murray take that leap, man. Uh, he's, he's been doing well so far this season, to be fair. Um, he's shooting a lot more threes. They're just not dropping. No, and no, no, them. Not a good thing. Oh, <laughs> bloody hell. I've heard that one before. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not me. It's the, it's the drop. He's got to grow into he's got to grow into that role, man. Because they they the San Antonio Spurs are going to be relying on him taking that leap to like potentially elite caliber guard in order for them to be good. He's elite defensively. Yeah. A lot of the time, what we see is the the guys that are elite defensively once they get a few tools on the offensive end. They can lead a team. We saw it with Kawhi. Hopefully, we can see that emulated with Murray. Um, it's, it's, it's mad because he previously was very much like a drive-in, kick-out type of guy, whereas now they are starting to ask more of him. He's doing 77% of his work from two, increased to 22% from three, which is a massive leap for him. I think it's like... He's, he's, he's basically doubled his freeze this year in terms of exactly. taking So, for me, if he can hit them at a reasonable clip, I know we say this about guys like Yanis, guys like Doncic even, about hitting your freeze at a good percentage, 33% upwards, they're going to be nice. Because um, he, is, he is a franchise cornerstone and I'd like to see him lead them back to the playoffs and be that sustainable piece for the next five to ten years, as is usually the case with San Antonio. I've got a, I've got a contention with it already. I, I like Dejounte Murray. Um, I'm not as obsessed as you are, but I do like Dejounte Murray. <laughs> the the, the word, the word, the word that started my contention was at the very end when you said lead. Yeah. And I have him more as a piece where you'd love to have him if you're relying on him leading things. Best of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nah. See, I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that, man. Like the guy can play, make, and the guy can defend, and those, those are two components where, when you build a team, you need playmakers and you need wing defenders or As, yeah, you, like fourth. Yeah, the but they're not, they're, they're not the first thing. Can you? Nah, see, but, but that's that's the thing. If he if he becomes a, a twenty-two to twenty-four point per game guy then what's the difference between him and a lot of these other guards? The fact that he is elite defensively. So I guess, I guess it's, the, it's, the, it's the if, isn't it? It's the if, isn't it? Um, the at, the moment, at the moment, like, and at the um, moment he's getting po- his point scoring. That's not, that's not uh, a problem. He's, he's having his best scoring season of his career so far. He's averaging about 17. He had a really big game. I can't remember who it was against. Where he had, it was seven rebounds, seven assists, and about 30, 30 points. Or odd. Mm. Um he has had like he's shown that he can have big games. The shooting, we'll see. 
because I think that will really determine how much respect he gets as a playoff player, um, as opposed to just being a, a piece that is, yeah, lockdown defender, this, that and the other. Um, the shooting will determine it, I think. And, and yeah, that's just playing, a bit up in the air. Guys like, guys like the Rosen and guys like Aldrich and these guys, like, it's a short-term fix. Once they, once they start looking at guys who could potentially come in in free agency or through a few, a few trades in the next couple of years, then we'll start to see what he's really going to become. But in the short term, he needs to develop his game while he has that sort of buffer of those veterans. And then we'll be able to start predicting where he's going to end up in the next five to seven years, maybe. Yeah. I, um, is it fair? Is it fair, Shaq? I'm not, I'm not sticking. I just see you make a face and then you said fair. I, I can understand what Sai is saying, but I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with this resolution. <laughs> I'm not with it. But again, like, you know, if, if I'm wrong at the end of the year, I'm wrong, which I won't be, but yeah. Like, you guys could do I, with him. They got Avery Bradley, mate. They got the architect. Yeah, that's fine. All right. They got buckets. They got two players for the price yeah. of what? Yeah, yeah. That one player they've got in two in Hero and Bradley. So, yeah. Um, yo, I'm, I'm gonna stick with the Spurs for my next one. Um, it's a bit left field. I need to get mine off. Hold on. Uh, no, but I want to stay with the Spurs. I'm okay. coming to you, but I don't want to go away from the Spurs and come back to the Spurs. And because it's the Spurs, I don't think anyone else is gonna have them in their list. Funnily enough. No one cares. Um, no I think, I think, this is just personal. Um, so a little bit of history made with Becky Hammond this past oh, week. First woman to, um, it was funny, like, <laughs> I tweeted coach an NBA team in a regular season game. Someone else said direct the team. And everyone was like, why can't you just say coach? Just, I get what they were trying to do, but just say coach. Like, um, I, So Popovich got ejected, as he can do spectacularly well. Turned to Becky Hammond, who's been assistant there for about five years, and said, yeah, you're good. You got this. Um, and you could just see just the, the reaction widespread was just overwhelmingly positive. And I think, look, obviously, we're UK-based pod. Our, our nearest parallel isn't the NFL. It's, it's Premier League and football. Um, I feel like a female head coach is so much more likely in the NBA than the Premier League. Like, light years 100%. ahead. Light years ahead. I don't think there's the same cultural barriers of banter and this, that, the other. I think it's a much more... Um, how do I say it? I think it's not cleaner environment because there's always the Hardens and the Otto Porter Juniors sex parties or whatever. Um, but it's just... It's, just, it's, it's a much more... Um, I don't know, the media training is that much better and, and the media focus is that much more and I feel my like it's in part more professional and there's less uh, of the sort of banter culture in the dressing rooms and everything like that and there's less piss-ups for use of a better term and everything. Um, like, assistants being promoted to head coaching roles is, is also very, very, very common in the NBA as opposed to somewhere else. So if she was a male... Be and look, we don't know how long Popovich has left Every, for the last three years. Everybody's kind of asked, Is it the last year? Is it the last year? Is it the last year? I think he's got another Team USA commitment here coming up, but everyone's sort of asking, Is it his last year in the NBA? Should be if 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 it was a male assistant, it would be entirely natural, especially for a team like the Spurs, to just okay. promote no. that assistant precisely and and pop move upstairs. So, I and the other thing is, I 
I'm not trying to go the other way and say uh, she's a woman, so they should. If she's a good enough coach, I want it to happen, obviously. But I feel like for something like that to happen, for a woman to become the best, the first head coach in the NBA, it's going to need a promotion and it's not going to be a hiring. And I think when you do that one thing, then all of a sudden, oh, okay, it's been done. We could do it, whatever. So that's my, basically my resolution is I think Pops has switched on guy. I think he knows that there is a degree of you've got to use your position yeah. in a male sport to do that. And I think if he thinks she is ready to lead an NBA team, which five years as an assistant, there's every chance, especially with a younger team, I think that helps as well. Um, Rudy Gay coming to the end of his time at the Spurs, DeRozan, um, LaMarcus Aldridge, all sort of coming to the end. You've got people like DeJounte Murray who will have been with this coach from their first season in the league, essentially, um, in Becky Hammond. I think that, that would be... A resolution I think the Spurs should keep in mind. I think if the end if this season is Pops last and they think that Becky Hammond's ready to take that team on, keeping it Spurs culture internal as the Spurs like to do, I think that'll be sick. So yeah. that is that is my That's, other yeah. one. I agree. It makes sense that wrong to go elsewhere considering, like you said, Pop's been there for forever and a day. And I'm assuming any hiring decision they made, if he was to leave, he would not have a say in, but they'll ask, like, yo. Oh, I think he would. I think he would. I think definitely <laughs> would, yeah. I think he'd be like, yo, listen, I'm leaving, but you have to promote her, like, because she's there off merit. And five years in assistance, you can't go out elsewhere and find someone else. And there's been numerous like reviews and reports and people have asked about Becky when she was obviously becoming more prominent as an assistant for them, like she was promoted as an assistant. They were saying, like, how do you find work with her? And they said, yeah, she's one of the smartest minds. Like, she's got glowing reviews from ex-players who worked with her at the Spurs. So for me... It makes perfect sense. And like you said, I don't think anytime soon it will come from an outside hire. So the fact that she's a very highly regarded assistant in the league, playing under some and working with someone like Pop, then it's only right for her to like make the step up and be the head coach. She just my only concern is is Texas. But maybe the more progressive, <laughs> maybe, maybe the more progressive bit of Texas. Well, I was gonna say you you'd think the San Antonio fans of all of yeah, them would be Hey, Europeans are all right, you know. Uh, you think you think they they're a bit more progressive. We play for Russia, but that was more politics than anything. So. Oh yeah, I didn't even clock the Russia link. I just yeah, yeah. I think American in general Russia, very experienced. So all right, listen, I'm two of two for resolutions, boy. I'm feeling good about my shouts. Canyon, hit me up. It might be time for curry watch. Here we go. So obviously, the streets have been listening and watching the tweets on the timeline. All the curry agendas on the account from yours truly, of course. And I said it, like, he needs to loosen them braids and maybe start playing basketball a bit more. And lo and behold, he started playing a bit better, but they still stink. And his brother-in-law is obviously shouldering the load a bit more than him now. But it's whatever. So my resolution, as it stands right now, is for Wardell Stephen Curry. So, Stephen Curry. <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> to, to take... The Golden State Warriors or the YMCA Warriors, whatever you want to call them, take them over plus five, 500 or take them to 500 at least. Because I, we remember, we remember because basketball Twitter is fickle, as is the basketball world. People can be bums one day and be amazing the next and vice versa. So we saw them saying the best offensive season since MJ. We saw them saying best point guard of all time. We saw him saying unguardable. We saw all of this stuff here. Yeah? However, his team does stink, to be fair. 
Like, I, no one expected um, select models Kelly Oubre to be this bad. And no one expected Andrew Wiggins to be even worse. No, no, no. We really no, Oubre, Oubre's been worse than Wiggins. No, Oubre's been worse than Wiggins. And no one expected that. Like, we thought solid wing. And I even said maybe they can do a little run and gun, make it kind of sexy, you know, Golden State. And the only mm-hmm. thing about they've tried to do is Oubre biting his lip when he's dunking, which I don't approve of. However, I believe that Curry, for him, his, his standings is standing. But I think for him to be seen a lot more positively in people's eyes, Especially in the fickle world of the NBA, he needs to take them over 500 this year. So that's my resolution. Take this stinky team to at least 500 because we've seen players, stars in the past. Every star player in this league at some point, as we were saying before the pod started, has had to carry a team somewhat. And of course, the little caveat that they had to change the whole way they played because Clay got injured literally the week before the season started, of course. But Curry out here and... I remember, Shaq remembers, we got a little group chat, we were talking and we were saying, like, people were saying, oh, don't worry, if Curry has the same usage as Russell Westbrook and all the rest of them, he'll be hitting the same kind of numbers. <laughs> Lo and behold, here we are now. They are Apparently, he would, he would average 30 plus. 30 plus. And look at, the, look at that. We saw Dave Lillard talking to a reporter. And what did he say? Hey, man, he's just seeing what the rest of us have been seeing the rest of the time we've been in the league. Dame Lillard Dame said, welcome to the real world. Welcome to the real Curry. world, baby. So, yeah. Curry, welcome to the real world. We're expecting 500 because boys with worse teams are taking their teams to at least 500. And aside of the caveat of you stinking, of team stinking, that's fine. You've got to do what you do. Like, I don't care if your team stinks as much. At least, like, show, show me something, at least, because even what when... Does, what does that stinking, look like for Curry, though? Because his game is predicated on off-ball movement. This is the problem. Like, he's... We've realized now. And I always realize, but people. He, you know, but he's shooting, he, like everyone has realized, he's shooting 33%. So it is not just a case of Harden giving him the ball when it will work. He obviously needs a lot more. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to speak for Nii, because I know if Nii was here, he would say that Ubre and Wiggins have the IQ of two goldfish and they can't create anything for him. And there's been examples of great examples on Twitter, actually, of like, you can see classic Golden State sets. I think that's another problem in terms of Steve Kerr. And I'll keep saying that. Like they, the team is different, play different. But yeah. you can see sets that you kind of recognise what's going to happen. <laughs> and then Wiggins the just runs the wrong Dribble mine up and do all sorts. And so you're telling me that now he's got the ball more and maybe has to do a little bit more. You're now saying, oh, you know, he's premedicated of off-ball movement. Nah, G, put the ball uh, in your But, but, but listen, listen, he had, had the luxury of being able to He's got the same handles as Harden, maybe better. He can yep. create chances himself. He can I shoot this. anywhere. He, all he needs is one screen. He don't need six. I heard this too. Shoot himself. It's... I, heard he was, I heard best defensive season since MJ. So you're telling me that his greatness was premedicated on other people. Well, I think I think look, it's not, there, there, there is an element of that, right? Where he has he is set a screen, spin off, and get an open shot. Like that's that's he's been part of a system. Like, and, and I think it's, it's gone hand in hand. It's gone hand in hand where the system's helped him, and he's helped. This, he's maximized yeah, the system and elevated it. But I think you also got to. On one hand, we've said this guy's got to do more. On another hand, we've said. Wiggins and Ubre, the two best players on that team in theory, are useless. They're both, well, Wiggins has started putting together some sort of shooting form. Ubre still hasn't. So 
if you're if you're double teaming Steph Curry, and like Harden even has had spot up shooters he can rely on. I don't blame them. I don't blame the players. Get this. I blame the coaching, like you said, because there's no reason we should be seeing these same classic Golden State sets when Wiggins is arguably one of the most athletic people in the league, maybe top 10, top five, if people really pay attention to what he was doing before. Uber is a good cutter too. Uber is a fantastic cutter. So you're telling me you have these athletes and you have Wiseman, who's clearly a young prospect that you can run and gun, and you're telling me that you're trying to run the same sets and shoot the same threes that won you three chips in five years. It's so should your resolution work. not be for Steve Kerr rather than Steph Curry? Oh, no, agenda happy fly. This is for Steph. <laughs> Hell no, this is for Steph. Steph needs to take over 500. Or at least show, because right now, he's shooting 32% from three. It's the best shooter of all time, remember? No, he's still You've seen him make crazy shots. All of a sudden, he's making his jersey number plus two. What the hell is that all about? Nah, I need Steph to take them over 500. At least show a semblance of what his stand said he could do. Because us avid basketball watchers, like you all are here, and older fans would have known that history has shown that smaller guards can't really do this. And what people were doing before was an anomaly. But then now, Steph Curry's now showed a bit of, of adversity. It's now other teams things, you know. That's the thing, though. He normalised he normalized something that wasn't really commonplace in the NBA, right? He normalised so Keep it up. As, as much as we got to give him credit for it, it it's always had its caveats. Exactly. As, as you said, only, only, only people that are avid basketball watchers would know that, yeah, as much as... As much as he worked well within the system, which is the first anomaly in terms of superstars, he was able to do a lot of that isolation stuff because of the fact that he had eight guys around him and because of the fact that he worked so well within the system. So those opportunities arise over the course of the game for you to take games by the scruff of the neck. Quick one. I just remembered, because obviously having the memory that I do and being a pet as I am, I remember tweeting this on, on courtside account saying that when it comes to Curry shouldering the load and the Warriors, even though they might stink, his itty-bitty, his itty-bitty body might break. Verbatim is what I said. And I was... <laughs> I think that was, that was one of the big concerns we had pre-season. Then, look that, like, even, even condensed season, less rest, 72 games. Yeah. He's, not, he's not built for that. He's never been built for that. And he's going to have to sit... Him. People told me I didn't watch ball. People told me Steph was going to be top three in MVP voting. They told me that, don't worry, he's got Draymond. Don't worry, Steph has got this. What do you mean, formerly MVP? He's got this. Huh. You're not laughing now, are you? <laughs> Look at that. It's almost like, it's almost like one knows basketball. So while I appreciate the listenership and the viewership that we have, brothers, I don't talk by accident. <laughs> I know what I've seen. And what I'm seeing is what you're seeing now. And that's why it's awfully quiet. And everyone's running the same jokes that I was running. <laughs> they made me a martyr. Sunday service today. They, huh? <laughs> they made me a martyr. I was, I was running the jokes. And now look. <laughs> so, Canyon, I, I'm, I get you. I, I, think, I think, Steve, I, I'm more on Kerr's neck, to be honest. But I do get you. I think, look, Steph is one of the best shoes of all time. Maybe, yeah, the best. Uh, arguably, he is one of the best. Well, this is the thing as well. Like when we were putting the countdown together, and he was seventh, people lost their fucking mind. People lost their mind on the Twitter that he was seventh. And but also, um, it's it's a funny one. Like when people have discussed point guards, okay, Steph is you know not the most classic point guard, but when people have discussed point guards and ranking them for the last five years, there hasn't actually been a debate. It's always been who's second. You work from number two. 
Yeah, exactly. Step has been the de facto number one. Like it's just that's what I've heard in every conversation. Exactly. It's who's number two: Lillard, Kyrie, Paul Westbrook. Like it's who's number two. It's never even been a question of who's number one. And I think there is a responsibility for him to just yeah, you got you got to deliver on that. It's a long season. I'm sure they can work out the kinks. No camp. A lot of new pieces. Like look, that's another tough thing. It's not just that the players have been bad, but you got a rookie who's playing more than they probably wanted or expected him to without Draymond and Clay. Uh, you've got Ubre come in last minute to replace Thompson off of a trade exception. Wiggins, they probably wanted to have traded by now, if I'm entirely honest, um, and haven't been able to. And with no training camp, that, that affects things as yeah, well. So, so, no, 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 but I'm with you. I think you're one of one with the, with the resolution. I remember, because we remember, I think it was two years ago, Houston had a terrible start. Harden put them on his back. Steph's supposed to be better than Harden. And also, just to let you people know as well, like, I'm not totally mad. Like, no matter how the season ends, like, Curry's standing for me doesn't change. But people now need to realise, like, this is real life. Like, Damian Lillard said, welcome to real life. Welcome like, to the real world. He, did, he didn't use those words exactly, obviously, but that is what he said. He said, he said yeah, nah, look, <laughs> they, yeah, welcome to my world, yeah, basically, of being it, the it, only it, guy. He's still the best point guard in the league, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, like, <laughs> his joke's got to fly. I think you're one of one there, Canyon. I think you're one of one. I'll get this one in, in, a, in a bit of a unique way. I'd say Scott Brooks for Washington. <sighs> Ruining my guy. He needs to figure out two things. First, how the fuck to get these guys playing defense because they are anonymous on that side of the floor. And number two, they need to get the ball out of Russ's hands, man. <laughs> Triple doubles are not translating to wins. Listen, listen. The usage rate is killing Obi my people, man. Obi Obi when Russell's 24, he's now 32. Back with Scotty Brooks, the original enabler. He's what made Russ who he is. Like, I don't... I'm I saying, bro. But what I will say on moment. Brooks, right, do you, did you he's see the quote? When, when Westbrook came into training camp, there were, his first or second day, there was a quote, and it was like... <laughs> Scott Brooks is the one who relayed it to the media and it was like, bro, I don't think you realise that that does not make you look good. Where he said, Russ came up to him and was like, hey, coach, this is the same stuff we ran five years ago. And they were all like, yeah, it's great. He's going to know all the plays. But at the same time, it's like, the league is very different to five years ago, my friend. You might want to uh, double back and look at a bit of that. For them, for them to have won their only game with Russ not playing is an indictment on the whole thing. I, think, I think it's a bit... I don't know if it's all Russ's fault. I I, I get that it's, it's maybe the, his plus minus hasn't been good. Their only win came without him. You can look at that stuff. He's shooting like shit, obviously. You can look at that stuff and just be like, Russ is the problem. I'm not, I'm not sure he is. I think you're right in that it, it needs to start with the coaching as opposed to Russ. It's not a resolution for Russ. It's a resolution for Scott Bridge because the defense has been disgraceful. Um, they're like they are like what I worried Atlanta would be in terms of they're fine offensively, but then you start to see any sort of adversity in a game and they just crumble. They just completely fall apart. They're not even in games really by the last play half the time because of it. Um, yeah, man, like. And they're not actually the worst in the league for field goals allowed, but they're right, right down there for actually the percentage that they're getting scored on, which shows that just they're not 
they've not got the players to really contest anything. Davis Bertans is not a defender. Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdija are are young. Um, Thomas Bryant is a better offensive centre than he is actually defending. So you want to talk about only a couple of people can defend on on the other teams. Like the Wizards, they need to just, I don't know whether it's play zone or or be really scheme orientated or double team people, but they're bottom 10 for steals. Um, they're bottom ten for for fouling and how, they're bottom two for fouling and how many free throws they allowed. They're seventeenth for turnovers, so transition points will be a problem. Um, yeah, it's not pretty their defensive stats at all. Annoying watching them as well. It's unacceptable. Like twenty eighth for points allowed against them. Like legit, five point five turnovers a game. Beal averages three point five. Beal shooting twenty seven percent from three from three. Um, Russ is shooting something like twenty eight percent. Beal's shooting forty two percent. Russ is shooting forty two. Like their two main stars are also bumming out. Then you got Bertans taking fadeaway threes to try and tie a game. Uh, Eighty million, baby. That's what that's what that's what that buys you. <laughs> People get paid and start acting brand new. This is the thing with with a lot of these coaches. Like they they don't really know how to impose their will on their stars. They basically just, as Yaz said, as we discussed. They're just enablers, and every time I see Russell Westbrook get a defensive rebound and carry the ball up up the floor, I'm like, why isn't a big man getting that? Why isn't Russ leaking out? And why aren't these guys actually playing in transition like a traditional basketball team? To be fair, to be fair to him, there, okay, I hear that. But then, if man could just grab the ball and run the floor twice as fast as a big man, I hear it. The issue is the decision making once it passes half court, and. Partly to do with that, like Yaz was saying, is due to the coaching. Like, you can't have a player who's been on two, basically three different teams in terms of coaching and listen personnel, even though it's been OKC and the, the Rockets. And then you've now got him back at the Wizards and he's saying you're running the same shit that he was running when he was four or five years in the league. Like, that shit clearly don't work because it didn't work then. It got you so far and then there was clearly a drop-off and then he was sacked. So it's not working then. And you're now thinking with these new young boys you've got in Washington, You've gotten rid of John Wall, okay, fine. And you now brought in Russ because you know what he brings at 32. And Beals has had the season of his life, even though he's kind of neglected with most of the postseason awards and that and the all-star things. So you've had two players who had very, very good seasons last year. But obviously Russ had COVID and his injury. But Russ has put at 27. He's put at 30. You've got Bryant, you've got Avija, you've got Bertans, you had a very, very solid season. So you're telling me you've now added somebody better than what you've had and you can't utilize them anymore. Like, I understand the defence and stuff stinks and obviously Beal and Russ aren't shooting well, but come on now. Like. But also, you, you've just said it there in that Russ had a great year last year. That was like, I loved watching Russ last year in the regular season because he was, he was restricted in a good way. He was used to the best of what his abilities were. He cut the threes and, and the bad shots out. He was driving, kicking. Um, and yeah, you do just wonder if, a lot of people were like, hey, Russ going back to the coach that made him, blah, 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 blah. But I think it might be the flip side like that, and it's enabling. Uh, I, I think that was, can, that was your point, Canyon. It's just, it's, if you have that close relationship, maybe it is harder to tell someone, cut that shit out, do this. But it, what I will say is if you look at the numbers, Russ has high usage, very, very poor uh, true shooting percentage. So he's not efficiently scoring. His, his creation is still good. Like, he's got a lot of... His passing is... It's not just the assist numbers, but 
he's putting up a lot of passes that lead to something. So whether it be a foul, whether it be whatever. So like he's still creating, but I think yeah, it's it's a. Brooks needs to go. Like even before I said it, restrictions in place. Before Russ got there, when Wall was fit, I I don't think Scott Brooks is that good a coach. And we've kind of seen it time and time again when the Wizards had their shortcomings and you look to the players who they have and you can call Bill's done all he can. Um, Wall has done all he can. They had a reason for a bit. Um, they had Otto Porter for a bit, not really that much, whatever. But when it's come down to it, the, the, miss, the shortcoming I've seen has been the coaching. Because when the players are normally matching up and they've done their best to kind of perform, then it's the coaching that you've got to look after that. Because more often than not, when we're criticising all these players, like I was dealing with Curry earlier, we're saying these lot stink, these lot need to do more. But then when you look at what they're dealing with and how they have to, they're forced to even play, or how they play because they choose to, you just think, hold on, ain't no one call a timeout or maybe run a, run a set or something, he's going to run the same old pick and roll and then another handoff and then you're going to do the same thing like seven, eight times down the floor, maybe score three times. Like, like Brooks needs to go, man. I've, I've, I've had enough. And that's uh, and well, well, we'll see. We'll see if he can stick to at least size resolution of get him defending and, and get Russ being a bit more more focused. Shaq, give me give us another resolution. This one's a bit hard for me. I I put a lot of money into this. Put I think I've got the biggest stockholder in court side of this. Of this player, should I say? But yeah, I remember I put all my stocks in 25th of February 2012. Kyrie Irving, oh. you're my guy. You're my favourite point guard in the league by far. I love you. But I've come to the realisation <laughs> that maybe you need... You're your wor- own worst enemy. Oh. So... Yaz is just vibrating oh. this. <laughs> <laughs> I told you! <laughs> don't, don't, don't stand up, Yes. Hit me out. So, watching these past few games of, of um, Nets... Um, and even like resembling back to the Boston days and Cleveland sometimes, the more he has the ball, the worst he does. So Spencer didn't really, as um, Sal was saying earlier, everyone's saying like we should trade him, and they should have actually traded him in my eyes. But the reason they might not have needed to is because when he had the, when he's on the court with Kyrie and KD, sometimes you would have seen Kyrie giving him the handoff and Spencer being a primary ball handler. Then when Kyrie gets the ball, he makes his looks. When, when Spencer's not been there, Kyrie has the ball more. And then he's one of them guys where, you know, you start like overthinking things. Oh my God, I practiced this yesterday. So let me try this one. Then the next one, I'm going to try this one. And then this one and this. I'm in the right. He's going to drop. And then because he's going to keep trying, it keeps failing. And that's why he's putting up a lot of bricks recently. And it's hurting my soul to see. My, my resolution is Kyrie needs to stop being so Kyrie so that he can be Kyrie. Shaq, I need to come to you, mate. Hold on a minute. Have you ever stuck to a New Year's resolution in your life? Never. <laughs> because I'm not surprised. Because these are not, these are not clear-cut, uh, uh, specific, <laughs> measurable <laughs> things. So what was the first one about Miami? It was, it was it's not it. Team. It's not it. And then, <laughs> and then the second one is, Kyrie needs to be less and more Kyrie. No, he needs no, to be... I understood. I understood. He needs the needs to have less Kyrie, of the pull back the stuff that makes him Kyrie, but at the same time, try and do the stuff, pull that back so you can actually be the Kyrie that we know, you know, makes... So you've just, you just, you know, you just inadvertently compared your favourite point guard to your least favourite point guard, right? 100%. <laughs> that must be a sad realisation. It'll be easy. 
I never said it'll be easy. It's a, year, it's a year of hardship, bro. It's lonely at the top. It's what, it's like. what can I do? I, so I, Kyrie I, needs to be less Westbrook. He can shoot, so no. But the trying impossible shots and, and every man. No, the, the, the funniest thing though is Kyrie. Kyrie's not even missing the impossibles. He's missing the open ones. No, but sometimes the worst thing about it. And like you're you're trying to hezzy too many men. Like I get you can do it, but sometimes just simplify your game. I hear that. Less of the ball. The less ball he has, the better he is as a player. And I oh, saw. I, it I think you've made a really good point though about Dinwiddie being out. It's it's made that that bit harder. It really has. Um, unless Sham, unless Shamit can really hold that ball and and do things with it, that's that's made that harder for sure. You're saying is cultivate good. Um, regular season habits so when it comes to the playoffs he can be Kyrie and by the way that, and that, that was his that was his ending in Boston really like the whole second season every week doesn't matter we'll flip the switch um, we'll be fine in the playoffs and then people were like how do you know you'll be fine in the playoffs and his, one of his quotes was because I'm here and it's like okay cool no that's not really how it works though um, and then he was there and it didn't help so in Boston, I remember there was a game he was playing Philadelphia, and it really irritated me because, like, as I said, my carry socks were high. I was like, "Why the hell is Marcus Smart carrying the ball up? Get the ball out of this guy's hands. Kyrie's there, let Kyrie handle it." And then I realized why. Like, he just sometimes needs to have less of the ball. I, I think I think I, look, Kyrie's at most. I think Kyrie's shame, seasons man. in Boston were brilliant because of, I think because of that reason because he had a lot of talent around him for all of his thing about. Oh, I finally have someone who can make the shot. Kyrie in Boston. He was proved right, man. That 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 hard hard shot off the glass didn't work two games in a row, man. Yeah, it's KD KD missed missed the bunny at the end of the game the other night as well. So, but I'm just saying, like he it suited him to have Marcus Morris there, who's a shot maker. Jason Tatum, who was already a shot maker. Gordon Hayward, injury permitting. Obviously, he was a shot maker. Marcus Smart can make the odd one. Like, it helped him to have... As a facilitator in Boston, he was unreal. And I think Kyrie's underrated as a playmaker. I think he's unbelievable as a playmaker. And obviously, when people think of him, they think handles, scoring, ridiculous finishes off the glass, 3.40% consistent across the career. But I think he's such a good playmaker that it's a shame when he does ISO it up all the time. That's um, but this is, this is the thing, Shaq. And this is this is tough. It's it's hard to be both the head coach and a player. Um, look, just because of time, Canyon, Curry, watch. What's the next resolution? Oh, my next joint. Here we go. I've got it right here for you. I've written, I've written, I've written this one down. So just wait, you wrote right there. Right. Curry was the first one. All right, cool. He, this guy cool. went. So this guy wrote so many notes on Curry that he forgot to do any <laughs> other resolution. <laughs> 2021, yeah, 2021, 20. <laughs> this, this is where we're going with this, okay? I need the NBA as a whole. If you've not got shooters, stop shooting. Stop. Stop shooting. Another, enough of this money ball, Maury ball. Listen, the three is worth more than the two. Brothers, you, the people say... The, 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 I, I'm fully with you on this, by the way. The three is worth more than the two yeah. if you can make the three. Listen, the people that are telling me and the three is worth more than the two have never made a hard layup in their life. But listen, stop shooting them because there's been too many examples now of we've now seen teams because of 
analytics. analytics. They're just shooting themselves out of games. And it's horrible to watch. And all of a sudden, when you've not got any alternative, you have teams like the Lakers. Even though we all saw last year, they could not shoot the three. And it became very apparent in game one against Portland when they actually lost that game. You then saw, like, hold on. We don't actually need to make that many threes to actually do certain. Our, our benefit is inside the paint. Obviously, not every team has that. But Transition. you need to diversify because you can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. That's the Lakers the won a title of transition and defense. Straight and, up. And those are the rules, baby. Listen, stop shooting these because people just shoot themselves out of games and it always comes to reckon in the playoffs. It's almost like they've seen what happens and think we'll be the ones to change it because there's been one example of it and one insane example. And that was a very small cycle of what the NBA has been for over 60 years. Can I just say something that you're gonna, that's going to back you on this, Canyon, and you're going to love this stat, right? Of the top 10 most three-point attempted in teams, yeah, so that we're talking the 10 teams that attempt the most three-point... Let me say that again, I'll edit it. 10 teams in the NBA that have attempted the most three-pointers. Of those teams, there is one... Two, three, four, five, shooting over 33%. So you've got Milwaukee, cool. We know they can shoot. Portland, Dame can shoot his way out of games. Utah could shoot. Is he, and, that, and that's without Mitchell being able to hit a lick, by the way. Um, Brooklyn, um, able to shoot, no problem. Atlanta, able to shoot. Dallas, shooting like shit. Detroit Look, shooting like shit. Golden State shooting like shit. By the way, that whole you that whole Luca thing, we're gonna talk on that next week. We'll see what happens to that. I need to come for Harold on that when he's talking about Luca's Luca's three point shot is not what makes Luca. Luca's thirty three percent as a three pointer for his career so far, and he's still one of the best players in the league. So don't worry about his three. Worry about the guys that he's giving open looks that are not hitting their threes. Josh Richardson, sir. Okay, Toronto, top three-point attempt, 46 and a half a game, 33% oh, makes. Look at this. Sickening, man. Teams used to shoot threes in the flow of offense, and we used to have elite three-point yep. shooters who would shoot threes in the flow of the offense when it came. But now, the three is the first point of call, and then we'll work away from there. And we clearly see this is not working. Stop doing the shit. Ruining the beautiful game. Because, well and truly, yeah, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not of the era of post-ups till we die and all that hard-nosed defense and stuff because that stuff was dry, yeah? That stuff was horrible to watch. But I'm with you as a balance, though. I'm with you yeah, as a balance, balance which is though, being lost massively. Like, like, if, you watch the, if you watch Detroit, listen, I had to watch Detroit actually beat us the other night. It upset me. I was up till 2 a.m. and it was the worst game I've watched all season. Detroit attempts three, 38 three-pointers a game. They shoot 32%. Listen. Boston and Detroit was such a bad game, not just because of the sloppiness, but because both teams were just shooting, clanking, shooting, it's clanking. It's it was dreadful. Basketball. Like, if you go and watch a flipping, what's it called? If you go and watch a BBL game, fantastic quality, by the way. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, all they do is shoot threes. And it's like, bro, like, this is not nice to watch. It's actually horrible. And especially at the highest level, like, okay, cool, they'll make more shots or whatever. But you said the numbers there, like, 33%, like, bro. Like, there's clearly other things on the court that you can do. And that's what everyone's now is catting for a big man who can kind of do it all. Because 
it just doesn't make sense. And as you, like you said with Luca, he's still one of the better players in the league on not being able to shoot the three. Like, bro, even though he shoots too many, like there's. Oh, he's cut down this year. He's cut down this there's year. There's things on the court you can do in the flow of your offense to get better looks, and you can still get your more possessions, scoring more twos than threes. Because when you can't listen, when you can't go over twenty-seven in playoff games and expect to do something. Like that was one example, but and that was the most extreme example because it was against Golden State, the three-point shooters. But we're now seeing more and more cases of teams either setting records for threes taken and made or the amount of threes missed in a row. Like, yeah. it's actually just getting ridiculous. The, um, the, the point about the flow of offense, though, is there's not that many teams that actually have a flow to their offense. It's very stagnant. It's very... And one basketball. It's, it's annoying, man. Like Stand and watch your best player. And then when you get the ball in hand, if you don't miss that, if you miss that, if you miss that shot, he ain't got help. If you make it, good job. Now, we know the agendas. Like, yeah. that's, the way the, that's the way the league is. And LeBron, obviously, my guy, but he said that. If you make the shot, good job, LeBron's fantastic. If you missed it, he ain't got no help. So, yeah, man, there's, there's no real flow. And the teams that we do see that have the flow of the offense and have those teams that coach the world coach, like your Nick Nurse, your Quinn Schneiders, your Brad Stevens, fantastically coached teams. Spol- Spolstra as well, like a lot of threes, yeah. but then none of them are wasted. Like, Spolstra, none of them are wasted. Threes. And not only that as well, yeah. The thing that unfortunately won't take these teams over the top is they've not got that huge name star who kind of pushes them over. You know what I mean? Like all these teams will get by and they'll be there and thereabouts. But when they come against these teams who are shooting these stupid amount of threes or teams that don't shoot any at all or very well, the one X factor that they do have is a player like LeBron or a Kawhi or a Paul George or an AD or somebody who will push them over the edge when, it come, when push comes to shove, it will be that. So, yeah, that's my resolution, man. Stop shooting that shit because... <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I hear you completely. And the, the worry I have, just before we move on, is I think you've got a season where people are less fit, people are more tired, people and offences are less organised and settled. I think we're going to see... I think we're going to see more of it. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you with that, Canyon. Um, si, final. we're going to run round final, final resolutions. Um, what's your third one? So I sort of covered my third one. It was the Nets learning how to secure rebounds and actually finish finish defensive possessions because anyone that's new to the game, that is the old adage, is you finish a defensive possession by securing the boards. Board man gets paid, as Kawhi Leonard likes to say. Ain't nobody getting paid from the Nets. When you've got... Can I ask you, what's the point in Torian Prince being as tall as he is when the guy can't fucking... He's not. Like, <laughs> he's only like six seven. He's like six seven. He's only like six That's seven. enough to get some rebounds, bro. Mate, I don't. I don't know what the point of him in the in the squad is. So that that's a question for somebody else. But um, yeah, to to be to be perfectly honest, like it goes down to the coaching aspect. When something's not working, you change it. You can't leak out and try and run in transition if you don't get the board in the first place. So sacrifice sacrifice easy buckets every so often and just reduce the other team's uh, amount of possessions that they have over the course of the game. And that, that it's, a, it's a simple fix. Um, you basically just send more men, more men to get the rebounds. I hear you, I hear you. Shaq, last, last resolution. The last one, I'm, I'm going to change it from the one I sent you, to be fair. Um, it's one that I realised yesterday whilst watching back some games, is that LeBron shouldn't be the go-to guy in the Lakers anymore. <laughs> I win. Yes. <laughs> I win. Oh, it's lonely at the top. They made me a martyr. 
His, his game is very, it's not one dimensional, but it's it, one dimensional. If he can't do the step back three, his drive is just. Are they, but are they, I haven't, I'll be real, I haven't watched a lot of Lakers this year. Um, I caught the end of the Spurs game and I think I watched think? one earlier. I haven't watched a lot, but I, they, they are, tra- based off last year, league leader in assists, they are transitioning towards that, no? Like, because AD has to take that team on if they're. LeBron, everyone says every year he's aging. He's not. The guy's getting Benjamin Button, but surely they're transitioning to that. Surely we did yeah, last year. We did I don't think he's aging year. in terms of like his his abilities are worsening. Yeah, but the league is kind of leaving him a little bit. His adjustment to the league is withering a little bit. Yeah, and it scares me obviously because he's the goat, but. Like I think that I think that AD needs to start taking the ship a bit more, and they're going to start. Doing it. He did last year, but obviously he when came cracking in the playoffs. It was like, oh, LeBron, please save us because this is AD's first time here. But I, th- I get what you mean, Shaq. Like when it comes to it, like regular season board points was all AD. But I think in the postseason, especially like regular season, let LeBron lead away. But I think re- postseason, like it's got to be AD or bust. Like, I think the season let AD fly. Yeah, and when it comes to postseason, when it like LeBron knows what to do, how to dissect a team and read it. You did that last year, though. You basically did Bron, Bron, Bron will be the moments guy from here on out, man. Like, there's no, there's no two ways about it. Like, his his game, his game is adjusted in the way that a lot of older guys do. Some of the some of the things that they were renowned for, like the little middies and stuff like that, they're pretty much gone from his game. So anytime we do see when we do see the little fade away and all of that shit, we're like, oh my god, it's old school Bron type stuff and. He's become a bit of a legacy act, um, not in a bad way or a disrespectful way, but it's just a natural progression. Let the young boy lead the team from here on out. This is I why I said he wasn't the best that. in the league, but again, people slaughtered me. But you okay. know, Stop. He's, he's still the best in the league. But for me, it's not just the best in the league. Not, not, well, but just he, like, is, he is the best in the league because the courtside countdown said he was yeah, the best. He's in the best the league. in the sense that if you want to win a championship, you 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 go LeBron, whatever. But if you compare actual, like you said, side to side, there are players that do things better than him. But I get what you're saying. If it was obviously, you can't do that. So you have to take. Mm-hmm. So I hear all right, all right. Listen, all I'm gonna. You just need to give it to AD. Yeah. Yeah, AD needs to needs to needs to take it over. Um, my last one is is for Brad Stevens. Hi, Brad. If you're listening, um, you've upset me a lot this season. Um, I don't know why you're doing this to me, but you are. That's okay. No, I think. I think Brad Stevens, um, he's getting a lot of flack and he's, he's getting the spotlight put on him a little bit. Um, basically, this is something that I don't know if a lot of people realise. Brad Stevens hates the Celtics roster. He does. And I don't blame him, but he does. And enough has come out in the media that has let us know. Brad Stevens is a very stoic guy. If you lose, on to the next game. If you win, on to the next game. If someone has a 42-point career high like Jalen Brown did, yeah, he's a good offensive player. The guy doesn't give up much. He's like almost like a little kawaii in terms of what he gives up. But he's given up enough that you know he hates the roster. Um, he, at the start of the season, said, we're not playing two bigs, two centres. We're not going to shift Daniel Tice to power forward where he's really uncomfortable. He has shifted Daniel Tice to power forward and we're playing two centres a game. He's killed the offence and it's not really helped the defence much either. So he said, matter-of-factly, that he didn't want to do it. Now he's doing it every game. He's also said, yesterday or the day before, I was, ex- 
I was a uh, Shaq, shut your mouth. I was, uh, <laughs> I was expecting, um, he goes, I was expecting some struggles this year. Um, and he goes, I expect them to continue, which you'd know if you were in it. Basically, if you were here too, you'd see how whack these lot are. So this guy hates the roster. That's kind of matter of fact. Why it's a resolution for him and not Tatum Brown, whatever, is the guy's done his best work as a coach with rosters that people didn't really expect. Um, like the sort of classic Steven Celtics team had people leave the Celtics to go get the contracts of their lives. Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, Jay Crowder, they all left Brad Stevens' system and went and got paid. Made a star out of Isaiah Thomas. Um, he now needs to really get into his coaching bag and really start enjoying himself again as a coach, doing things that are creative, making offense tick again. Because uh, at the moment, it's just give it to Brown, give it to Tatum, and yeah, it's not really happened. So that's my resolution for Stevens. I just want him to start enjoying coaching again, be a bit creative get into his bag and make the most out of some bang average brothers. Last word, Canyon. Last word. Well, it's only right. Well, like third said, resolution. It's only right. as I've, martyred, I've been martyred numerous times and proven to be right. So my last one is a bit of a fun one. I mean, it goes against what I've been saying earlier about how things are going to end for the Hawks. But what I like, who I like to call the hot Hawks. Hawks. Listen, time to make the Hawks black again. So Trey Young's leading the franchise. And they got my, my, my brother, John Collins there. So I really think that this is the year for some sort of resurrection for them. Let's make, let's make Hot Lantern sexy, like the Michael Vick days. For the people who don't get that, that's a cross-sports reference, NFL. So, you know, Google that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really think that... This the year, people fighting, just, just, that just this year, Listen, at the end of this year, I want to see Trey Young on the 2K cover. I want to see, see Hot Lantern known as a place to go now for the next free agents. Especially, even though John Collins might be leaving. I really think that this year will be very, very, very fun for them. Like, it almost makes too much sense for it to be fun. If it's, is it sustainable? Maybe not. But Hot Lantern are going to resurrect. So, my Sounds, like, them, you're Sounds like you're saying fifth seed. So, I hear. You know what, yeah? Obviously, the people, the people will slaughter me, but as most smart men do, they assess the data and then oh. they make educated decisions from there. So, for me, I do think they should be a very solid playoff team. I'm not sure on the seed because, like I said, if they finish sixth and, and, I say, and you say fifth, then the agenda begins. However, I do think that their aim for this year is to really make some noise in the East, considering it's more competitive and more open than last year when it was kind of a given who will be in them positions. So, yeah, make the East competitive. The hot Latin Hawks resurrection. I think, I think, look, I think, look, they'll struggle to hold on to everyone, but I think a lot of people will want to join that as well. So, whatever they do, just make it sexy. I hear that as a resolution. I'm with please. you on that. If they want Harkless, then... No, I don't think Harkless will make yeah. anywhere more Also, sexy. also, Listen. Listen, brother Trey, I'm a big fan of yours, but you see that trim? Need it. Two-blade yeah. oil. Yeah, up, man. Just do the Come home, brother. Come home. This guy needs to go military mode. He needs to yeah, shave the tissue. Come home. Listen, I know a barber. You hook you up with a nice fade, the Paul George effect. Like, oh, go yeah. turkey, man. It's, it's proven. I'm pretty sure Trey, been, Trey's a rich man. He don't need still. to go turkey. You don't need to go turkey. Corey Lane's Tiger Turkey. Get it done. Get it done. <laughs> get, get All right, through. so we've got a bonus resolution there. Go turkey, get it sorted out, and then have some fun with the trim rather than 
leave it long at the back. Anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> no braids. Last word, last word. Thank you, boys. Um, yeah, been good. Uh, let's see how many of these resolutions get stuck to. Uh, and and happy new year to everybody here and elsewhere and listening wherever you are. Yeah, bless. Sports Social Podcast Network. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.